the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for past 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the 11th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks so much again for joining us. We'll come back to some of the issues involving AOC and the race card, but I want to pivot now and talk about, well, some some matters of faith and how they intersect with matters of lifestyle. It's uh, been a very common theme when we have our next guest on the program, best-selling author, uh, highly in-demand public speaker and conservative pundit, former university president, Washington Times columnist. He's got a lot of titles. Does Dr. Everett Piper joining us now on AM 1420 The Answer. Doctor, good to have you back on the program, sir. How are you? Doing great, Bob. Uh, you doing okay? Yeah, doing okay. I'm a little sick. I'm a, everybody in my family's got bronchitis except me, but I'm getting, uh, I don't know, the after effects of it, I suppose. So, <laughs> I'm, uh, But I'm dealing. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to do my level best here to kind of let you talk more. The more you talk, the less I have to, and the better that is for my voice. So let's. Uh, let, there's a few topics that we want to lay out here that you and I obviously have discussed, and I want to talk about Planned Parenthood. Whenever we talk about Planned Parenthood, Dr. Piper, the normal conversation is about you know some of the atrocities and the barbarism of the actions that go on inside of their death centers, uh, and we talk about uh, you know the sale of body parts and all these other horrific things. But Planned Parenthood is more than just an abortion factory. It is also a an indoctrination center of sorts of uh, the anti science population, as uh, you put together in a wonderful piece for the Washington Times. Can you tell us exactly what you mean by that? Well, I was responding to a recent tweet of Planned Parenthood, and I'll quote it. It says this, young LGBTQ people need sex education that addresses their identities and express and experiences so that they have the information and skills to take care of their sexual health, unquote. And my piece in the Washington Times last Sunday starts out with saying this, I agree. I agree that they need, everybody needs information 
and skills to take care of their sexual health. So let's look at our own government Center for Disease Control and Prevention data. And let's look at the American Health Association data. And let's look at some other agencies that also chime in on the actual science and data behind the reality of sexual health in the United States. For example, and I'll just cite a few things. Okay. These reports show that 25% of all millennial age women presently are infected with an STD. This data also shows that 50% of America's sexually active persons will contract an STD by the age of 25. This isn't conservative Christian stuff. This is the CDC data. One out of two people, 50% of sexually active Americans will contract an STD. The CDC goes on to estimate that one in eight people between the ages of 14 and 49 in the United States have genital herpes. It goes on to talk about chlamydia and gonorrhea and syphilis reaching record highs. One and a half million reported cases of chlamydia alone represent the highest number of annual cases of any condition ever reported to the CDC last year. Again, it is young people who suffer disproportionately with those um, with, with those uh, between the ages of 15 and 24, with those STDs between the ages of 15 and 24, 65% and 50% uh, of chlamydia and gonorrhea diagnoses, respectively, with regard to young people. I could go on and on. We did, the, the fact that women who are infected with gonorrhea and chlamydia are going to be sterile, they're going to have a high proportion of sterility in that given uh, subpopulation. Therefore, they won't be able to exercise their choice to have children later on in life. And then let's talk about HIV. Finally, 1.1 million people in the United States are presently suffering from HIV. 1.1 million. Nearly 40,000 additional people are diagnosed with this precursor of AIDS each year. And 66% or two-thirds of those reported are caused by homosexual behavior. HIV continues to be a serious health issue worldwide. 1.8 million new cases reported annually. Approximately 36.9 million people around the globe are currently infected. So here's my question to Planned Parenthood. Do you want to talk about information that improves the sexual health of young people? Great. Let's talk about the facts. Let's talk about the science. Let's talk about the statistics. And bottom line, at the end of the day, if you want people to be sexually healthy, you might want to tell them to stop having unhealthy sex. 100% effectiveness if you do. You don't have to worry about an STD if you're having sex with only one person of the opposite sex to whom you're married and you stay faithful throughout the course of that marriage. Dr. Everett Piper is our guest. This uh, his uh, piece that he's uh, quoting his his research from is of course in the Washington Times, and uh, it, it really is kind of a, uh, a staggering thing when when they proclaim they being the Planned Parenthood folks that you're talking about when they proclaim that they are looking out for the uh, sexual health and the health in general. I guess we could just say the health of young people 
uh, but particularly as it pertains to their sex lives, and yet they encourage the exact opposite of what you just said. Rather than monogamous, faithful relationship with a member of the opposite sex that can lead to children if you so choose, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they promote the exact opposite of that. They promote, uh, promote deviant sex, they promote same sex, they promote all kinds of other things that lead to as you say, the numbers don't lie. There are statistics and statistics, uh, you know, the old the adage about statistics can, and uh, you know, can, can prove anything. But these are government stats that are legitimate and right, and they prove that if you are engaging in those types of behaviors, and there are choices, there are behaviors, your health is going to suffer, and yet Planned Parenthood, Parenthood will do nothing to try to deter that. Well, let's look at it this way, Bob. Uh, let's say that all of these same numbers applied to driving a Chevy Corvair. Okay. For those that are old enough, let's remember how Ralph Nader became famous. He became famous because <laughs> Chevrolet manufactured a car. It was called a Corvair, and it was discovered that this had problems and that people were actually getting asphyxiated as the result of driving this particular car. So there was this consumer advocacy movement where uh, the people like Ralph Nader were reaching out, criticizing the corporate world for producing products that harmed people. So if you applied the same data to driving a Corvair, or if you applied the same data to the tobacco industry, there would be an outcry to educate people to stop driving Corvairs. There would be an outcry to shut down General Motors' production of Corvairs. There would be an outcry to shut down the tobacco industry and to tell people to stop smoking tobacco. Why? Because it's not a religious argument. It's not an emotional argument. It's a factual argument that is grounded in data. So why don't we provide the same logic to the discussion of other behavioral choices that involve our sex lives that result in us being unhealthy at the end of the day. That's 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 a great summary, and that is exactly right. Dr. Piper, let's move on uh, to another issue involving societal lifestyle choices and, and, I guess, faith and morality and ethics and whatever you want to call um, the, the, the belief that, that married adults should remain faithful to one another. They should practice monogamy for, for all the reasons you just described from a scientific health standpoint, but also, like I said, for reasons of morality for those. Minority class uh, in society in America today is adulterers. They are being encouraged to um, uh, to to practice adultery, especially and if uh, both partners agree that it is okay, uh, that it's you know that this is this is the new thing. And if you condemn and and come down on them for this, of course, you are going to be labeled a hater and a bigot and a and a you know I guess you can't say homophobe. I don't even know what you would call it an adultophobe, I suppose. But tell us this story. Well, this is, a, this is a new report out of the American Psychological Association, the APA. Now, one of my degrees is in psychology, so this touches very close to home for me. This is my industry. This is when my chosen profession it was my chosen educational emphasis. So the APA is the benchmark for accreditation. It's the benchmark for certification. It's the benchmark for data in terms of psychological health or lack therein. The APA is now coming out and suggesting that adulterers should be a protected minority class because no one has the right to make a judgment that their sexual choices are somehow wrong, immoral, or unhealthy. Where does this stop? We've opened up Pandora's box so that every choice that you want to make or I want to make with regard to this little subcategory of our lives called our sexuality, everything has to be embraced. Everything has to be celebrated. 
everything has to be elevated to the uh, level of, uh, of, a, of, of normality rather than any suggestion that you should curtail, but that you should control, that you should behave in a traditional way. And if anybody steps in and says, oh, no, that should not happen because there are negative consequences for children, for women, for culture, for society, for families, and for our economy, if we don't comply with the traditional biblical standard of how to behave sexually, you're a hater, you're a bigot. And now they're actually applying it. The APA is going to apply it to adultery. And it, it is a staggering thing. And this is what they're doing. They're trying to normalize every behavior that was once considered to be taboo. Uh, and, and adultery is, is perhaps one of the last taboos. Dr. Everett Piper is my guest. I need to take a time out here. I've got two more stories I'd like to get your commentary on, Dr. Piper, right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, we continue now with Dr. Everett Piper. i got about six good minutes left with the good doctor. Um, doctor, this was a story that I didn't plan to talk about with you. You're not aware of, but it's right in the wheelhouse because you were just talking about Planned Parenthood and um, uh, trying to promote healthy sexual appetites, or excuse me, let me rephrase, healthy sexual behaviors and uh, talking about how these uh, young people today need to limit those appetites and find ways to get into monogamous monogamous relationships to stay healthy. And then you talked about adultery. So this one's right in the same vein. This story just became aware to me, um, or I became aware of it. California Democrats are authoring a bill that will protect sex offenders who lure minors. Um these particular legislators essentially are putting a bill together that would say if the offender is within 10 years of age of the minor, um, they cannot be charged or they cannot be charged uh, as, as, you know, with as harsh of a crime, I suppose. I don't have all the specifics of it. But essentially, a 22-year-old who is luring a 12-year-old into a sexual relationship um, is not going to be guilty of what we used to just know as statutory rape, as long as there is a 10-year um, uh, window between the ages of the offender and the, uh, and the victim. What do you think? Well, I've said several times on your show, uh, ideas have consequences. In fact, it's one of my uh, key messages in a lot of my talking and speaking around the country. I like to quote Richard Weaver's 1948 seminal work where it's titled Ideas Have Consequences, and what's his point? Ideas have consequences. They matter. And If you have bad ideas, you're going to get bad results. If you have good ideas, you will get good results. Those ideas work their way through culture. And this idea that um, consent is the only standard for sexual activity, it actually is going to have a negative repercussion across our culture and here's a perfect example. You can dumb down the definition of morality to consent, and what was wrong five minutes ago will now become right. And therefore, you can keep moving the target of consent downward in terms of age, and you can declare something that was illegal and would make you subject to prosecution for a felony yesterday will now all of a sudden be acceptable today. And this movement in California is exactly that. This proposed bill would make it legal... Okay, it would make it legal for anyone to have sex with anyone else 10 years or less younger than you. Okay, now, 
like you said, a 22-year-old with a 12-year-old. Well, what about a 20-year-old with a 10-year-old? What about an 18-year-old with an 8-year-old? This bill has no age limit. Now, those advocating the bill will scream, oh, that's crazy, that's nuts. We're not going to go to 18-year-olds with 8-year-olds. We won't do that. Well, really? Really? The North American Man Love Boy Association suggests that, quote-unquote, if not by 8, it's too late as they proceed to educate and indoctrinate culture in terms of the acceptability of sex with children. And then here's the question, and I know we need to take a break. Here's the question. If we are arguing today, which we are in our courts, that a minor, an eight-year-old, has the right to make a decision on sex transition without his parents' approval, in other words, an eight-year-old can get a sex change without his parents' approval, and our courts are arguing that case, why wouldn't we then start arguing that that same eight-year-old that has the awareness sexually to get a sex change doesn't have the awareness sexually to consent to a sexual relationship with someone older? This is a very dangerous place for us to go. Ideas always have consequences. It's a brilliant analysis and a great analogy as well at the end. That's, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad you brought up NAMBLA, by the way, because this is, according to the report that I'm reading from, this introdu- legislation was introduced specifically to, quote, end blatant discrimination against LGBT young people regarding California's sex offender registry. So this isn't just about, uh, you know, uh, sexual assault, essentially, of minors. It is about specifically the deviant sex, same sex, uh, of adult offenders to youthful uh, victims um, who are of the same sex, as you say, as they try to uh, indoctrinate them at a very young age into that lifestyle. Um Last thing, Doctor, and this is away from human sexuality and all of the things we've been talking about. I just wanted to get your opinion of the uh, U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. They were honored yesterday, feted for a... Uh, for their uh, World Cup victory, their fourth World Cup uh, championship, and their second straight, they were in New York at a ticker tape parade. And the lead, um, the lead uh, uh, player, I guess, the captain, Megan Rapinoe, of course, is well outspoken for her anti-Trump uh, sentiments and her kneeling for the national anthem. Her belief that the United States was never great, especially for. There it is again. Uh, uh, gay people. She is um, herself a lesbian in a, in a relationship with a WNBA player, and she made a point of telling everybody we couldn't have done this without our gay players. Uh, gay players are, are, are apparently better than, than straight players when it comes to soccer. But uh, thoughts on how they represented the United States? Did you feel represented by them when they went to the world with their antics? I like Sean Spicer's tweet on this issue. He said, if you think the women's soccer team is good today, wait till we get transgenders playing with them. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Oh, you know, you know, it's true. It's, it's sadly it sad, true. but true. It's sad, but true. This is something we fight about all the time. Go ahead. We'll see how much they like that. Anyway, that aside, you know what? If you're going to play for the club, represent the club. If you're going to be part of the team, represent the team. If you're going to work for uh, whatever employer, put your, put, fill in the blank then you ought to have respect for the employer that you've chosen voluntarily to play for. You don't go out and trash the organization that you voluntarily chose to be a part of. This was a, the United States team. This was a team representing the United States. She would have been better to follow Colin Kaepernick and just not play, not engage. If you want to criticize the club, if you want to criticize the company, if you want to criticize the church, if you want to criticize the college, if you want to criticize the corporation, then don't be part of it. She chooses to be part of it, and then she trashes it. Make up your mind. If you want to protest, if you think we're so bad, then don't play for us. 
Very, very well said. And I find it, I find it, the reason I asked is, you know, we always talk. I think part of our conversations, one of the things I enjoy, and I know our listeners enjoy when they, when they give me feedback about our conversations, Dr. Piper, is that, you know, we're, we're trying to set a great example for, for American young people, uh, trying to teach them, you know, the, about a little bit about the morality of, of life in these United States, as difficult as it can be from time to time. And these women are being heralded as being inspirations to young girls all over America to be like them. And I gotta tell you, I, I, I don't want my daughter to grow up. I wouldn't want my granddaughter eventually to grow up and be like them if that's what it means. You know, if representing your country is so reprehensible to you, then what, like you said, then why play for your country? These people won. They did not win with class. These women won. They did not win with, uh, with dignity. They did it while embarrassing the United States, in my opinion. And with some of the stuff they say, they say about our leadership and about our country, our flag and our anthem, I don't think that's inspirational for young girls. I'll give you 30 seconds to wrap it up. Well, you're spot on. Again, if you don't believe in the country, then don't play for the country. Just don't. Protest all you want. Say what you want. But don't play for us and don't act like you're representing us if you don't believe in us. And that's exactly what some of them did. Not all of them, but some of them. Yeah, I think I can think of a lot better role models for our young girls today, quite frankly, than some of the ones in, uh, involved in that. Dr. Piper, thank you so much. I, uh, I'm sorry about the inconvenience for you, but I'm glad your flight was delayed. It was good to have you on the program again. We'll talk to you next week. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you, Doctor. Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420 The Answer. Let's get news now and your phone calls to follow right here on AM 1420 The Answer. All right, it's 1037, rolling onward on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again for being with us. we got open phone lines between now and the top of the hour and the end of the show. So 23 minutes of that. Outstanding, awesome, left for you. Dial 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Social media, people are tweeting to me at uh, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, and Facebook commenting and Parler commenting, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Um I got a tweet that I just wanted to read here. Uh, piggybacking, writes Michael to France Radio, piggybacking off of what you said about her not being a role model, if you can call it that, she dropped the F-bomb on live TV. She has no class and is pure trash. She is not only un-American, she is hurting women's soccer. Nothing positive. And, of course, he is talking about uh, Megan uh, Rapino <clears throat> at the... Uh, uh, Ticker tape parade they held, held for the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team in New York City yesterday. And knowing full well that she is on television, on CNN and elsewhere, she did. She screamed uh, into a live microphone, New York City, you're the mother-blanking best. Uh, and, of course, everybody was carrying that to NBC, and they had to cut away and apologize for it because there was no delay. There was no filter there. So... Um, there's no filter on this woman when she speaks, too. What's really sad is she's one woman on a team of maybe much better uh, temperament ladies. And one member shouldn't be, you know, much of a problem, I guess. But she happens to be their captain. And she happens to be their most outspoken, obnoxious, again, anti-American, anti-anthem, anti-Trump, anti-flag um leader and when you're the leader in a case like this i mean it just 
like I said, one bad apple, if they say one bad apple can spoil the bunch, one captain of a team like this can really make all of them look bad. And sadly, she was quick to announce yesterday proudly in interviews on CNN and elsewhere that the entire team is not going to the White House if and when the invitation is proffered. It will be, because that's the way the president is, and he will offer that invitation or give them the opportunity to come. And she said, all of them are with me. They're not going. So in other words, if any of them said, I want to go to the White House, what do you think would happen? This is straight-up intimidation and bullying on the part of this uh, Megan Rapino, the openly gay, uh, you know, man haircut-wearing and, and, and President Trump F-bombing and uh, flag, uh, you know, uh, desecrating and so on and so forth leader. If she says, I'm not going to the White House, who's with me? And somebody on that team says, well, I'm going to the White House. I think that's awesome. That person would be ostracized. Not just from the team, but it would be known her name would go public and she would be considered what? A Trump supporter, a homophobe, a racist, a bigot. So this woman, Megan Rapino, made the decision for all of her teammates on her own. Which of them was going to break ranks and say, I'd like to go to the White House? Whether they support Donald Trump or not would be irrelevant. Maybe I just want to go to the White House. This is an incredible honor to be given a proclamation. You know, uh, some sort of recognition by our federal government that you know about our national victory. It's just another great you know moment. It, it's gone to teams who are championship teams forever. It's been a long tradition. I want to go. Well, why don't you support Megan? You don't support gay rights. You don't support people of color. You you don't support you don't support uh, the babies in cages either, do you? They would have turned it into a great big giant anti-Trump affair. So not one of them was going to be able to say, "I want to go to the White House." And it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. There's an article. I want to read just a portion of it to you that I was really impressed by. It's, um, it's uh, by uh, Joel Engel in The Bulwark, which is a great, great website. An open letter to Megan Rapino from America. First, let us congratulate you and your teammates on a sensational World Cup championship. You made us proud. You know us, right? The country you've represented so ably on the pitch. Because, hope this doesn't sound weird, we've kind of had some small role in your success. No question you worked for what you've accomplished with the talents you were fortunate to be blessed with. But never forget, you had that opportunity to do so. That you've made the most of those opportunities delights us. It's what we're all about. But we do wonder why you would discount the privilege you enjoyed of having those opportunities that are, sad to say, deprived to most people around the world. Correct us if we're wrong, but our our understanding is that most or all of you and your teammates came from middle class, homes, or better, and were allowed and encouraged to take up the organized sport of soccer at early ages. All or most of you went to college, and I'd be surprised if any of you paid full tuition. This is not the norm around the world. It should be, but this is a form of privilege that's been granted to you by dint of your birth. And we kind of thought that you'd be, one, grateful for it, and two, you would recognize it for what it is, and be humble about how many of the women you competed against in France did not have those advantages. But let's be honest. If you're a female soccer player, being born in America is like winning the lottery. The U.S. women's teams have now won four four World Cup titles, four Olympic gold medals, and eight CONCACAF gold cups. I don't know what that um, acronym stands for. doesn't matter. That's the kind of domination that no national team in any country in any sport, male or female, has achieved. Something must be going right with America and our support of women's athletics. USA, USA. So we were kind of confused, Megan Rapino. the other day when you explained your refusal to sing the national anthem. 
we're not quite sure what upsets you. I think for detractors, you said, I would have to look hard into what I'm saying and the actions that I'm doing. Maybe you don't agree with every single way that I do it, and that can be discussed. Well, back at you. Aren't we entitled to the same benefit of the doubt? Let's discuss whether there's a country that has made more progress on virtually every human right, uh, every human rights front, rather, uh, in little more than a generation. In fact, let's discuss how some countries are actually going backwards. Surely you've noticed that France and Germany and the U.K. and much of the rest of the world are trying to criminalize the kind of speech rights that you're now famous for exercising. I know that I'm not perfect, you said, but I think I stand for honesty and for truth and wanting to have the conversation and for looking at the country honestly. I think this country was founded on a lot of great ideals, but it was also founded on slavery. (laughs) Here we go. But I think we just need to be really honest about that and be really open in talking about that so we can reconcile that and hopefully move forward and make this country better for everyone. What we hear you saying is we should look past your imperfections and focus on your intentions. Okay, well again, right back at you. Right there in the preamble of the Constitution, it says in order to form a more perfect union. You see? More perfect. It expressly states that we are a work in progress. And aren't we all? And we have this Constitution, the oldest in the world, that allows for every generation to amend what was originally set down and try to make this country better for everyone. There have been 17 amendments added to the original 10. True, not all of them have made things better. The 16th, 17th, and 18th were giant mistakes that backfired spectacularly, though fortunately the 18th was repealed. But all were passed with the intention of making things better. For example, the abolition of slavery, women's suffrage, and making or limiting presidents to two terms. So if we're going to be really honest about slavery and hopefully move forward, as you say, you might acknowledge that chattel slavery ended more than 150 years ago. It was a legacy on our colonial master, England, which at the time practiced slavery in every one of its colonies and territories and had for over a century before the American Revolution was a glint in the founding fathers' eyes. Read the accounts of the Constitutional Convention to see how fiercely slavery was debated. Yes, it would have been wonderful if the anti-slavery voices had prevailed. But keep in mind that if slavery had been disallowed from the beginning, about half of the original 13 colonies wouldn't have joined the United States. Then what? Then we have no United States. The fact that it was a primary topic of discussion and argumentation at a time when slavery existed on every populated continent and had since the beginning of time was a moral victory without precedent in history. So, and I'm going to stop there because it's a, it's a much longer article, but the open letter from America to Megan Rapino is one that, if I can summarize this, you have had one phenomenal run here because of the opportunities provided by this great country, a great country that does protect civil rights and free speech more than any other country in the world. Civil rights for everyone. We overcame our great stain on American history. We have done so many things to make this a more perfect union and give you an opportunity to do the things you've done to earn you your fame and your 15 minutes therein. But guess what? You want this country to fix its imperfections. We would ask that you consider doing the same. Stand up and salute the flag. Stand up and put your hand on your heart for the anthem the way your teammates did. 
stand up and support the system of government, even if you don't like the man in charge of the government, and go to the White House and continue a time-honored tradition. Stop bullying your teammates into uh, coming along with you or else being accused of being uh, bigots and homophobes and other things. Megan Rapino, this country isn't perfect, but it's far better at recognizing its mistakes and working on them than you are. That's my commentary. Navy man Norm in Strongsville, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Norm, thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Two years ago, I went to a McMahon meeting that Peter Kirsten now spoke at, and he predicted exactly what's going on in California with this 10-year rule. Uh, he said, in a few years, the next step is to basically make sex between consenting teenagers okay or teens within 10 years or people within 10 years of each other. So Mr. Kirsten now is a prophet again. But, Bob, I'll tell you. I wish I had heard that speech, by the way. Um, I will bring it up with Pete the next time I have him on. He's on vacation right now. He's out of of the country, but I'll have him back uh, in a little over a week, and I will definitely bring this up with him. Go ahead. He talked about this two years ago at McFan, Bob. It was unbelievable. But this kind of lends itself to the 19th century French philosopher Alexis de Tocqueville. America is great because America is good. America will cease to be great when America ceases to be good. And we are right at that tipping point. The Megan Rapinos, the Colin Kaepernicks, the LeBron James, all of these <clears throat> self-promoting, self-loathing people that think that they are better than the country, that they can spout off their filthy mouths anytime they want. I mean, that you know, this woman, uh, your previous caller nailed it. She's trash. She is just plain trash, because if you're going to talk like that and you know that you've got all these young women looking up to you, you're going to think, well, this is the norm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, there's nothing wrong with F-bombing people. So, you know, it's, it's just a disgrace. But <clears throat> I'm worried, Bob. I'm really worried because I think, we are, I think we're in for it as a country. And I don't know how God is holding his divine justice back, but I, I, I pray every day for his divine mercy. But I'll tell you, I'm scared. I am really scared because I think we are on the verge of either a civil war, a revolution. you got Antifa running around this country, and the government mm-hmm. doesn't do a damn thing about it. I don't understand. I've written the Justice Department. I wrote to the White House. What the hell is going on? you got a domestic terrorist group, and you're not doing anything about it? So we are in deep duda, Bob, but that's just my two points. Okay? Well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you made them, uh, Norm. Thank you, my friend, and keep the prayers coming because uh, we do need them, and we should all join Navy Man Norm in that. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to the first part of what he had to say where he was talking about the story that I shared about the uh, with Dr. Piper about the California law. And this is actually a story from February, so it's a few months old, but um, I have not seen an update on it as far as where this bill stands in the legislative process in California. But this is this is specific. I mean, you know, everybody talks about how, you know, we just had an entire month, the entire month of June of rainbow flags flying and, and, and this pride month. 
as if everything that the LGBTQ community is doing is positive and for positive uh, affirmation of their uh, beliefs and their lifestyle choices and their, you know, whatever their, uh, whatever their, their, their cause is. Um, and nobody pays any attention during Pride Month to some of the more nefarious aspects of this movement, this agenda. That's why they're called in a lot of circles the LGBTQ Mafia. There is there are some things here that are very, very dangerous. And this bill in California that Norm was just talking about that Peter Kirsten now predicted ahead of time is being advanced primarily by the LGBTQ community. State Senator, California State Senator Scott Weiner, or Weiner, I'm not sure, it doesn't matter, and Assemblywoman Susan Eggman introduced recent legislation to, quote, end the blatant discrimination against LGBT young people regarding California's sex offender registry. Under their bill, SB 145, offenders would not have to automatically register as sex offenders as sex offenders if they are within 10 years of the age of the minor victim that they that they offend. Weiner claims the current law disproportionately targets LGBTQ young people for mandatory sex offender registration since LGBT people usually cannot engage in vaginal intercourse. Existing law, the Sex Offender Registration Act, amended by Prop 35 by voters in 2012, which banned human trafficking and sex slavery, requires a person convicted of a certain sex crime to register with law enforcement as a sex offender while residing in California or attending school or working there. Weiner says, currently the consensual yet illegal sexual relations between a teenager age 15 and over and a partner within 10 years of that age, sexual intercourse i.e. vaginal intercourse, does not require the offender to go on to the sex offender registry. Rather, the judge decided, based on the facts of the case, whether, or decides based on the facts of the case, whether the sex offender registration is warranted or unwarranted. By contrast, for other forms of intercourse, specifically, and you know them all, sex offender registration is mandated under all situations with no judicial discretion. So this bill would authorize a person convicted of a certain offense involving minors, sex offenses, to seek discretionary relief from the duty to register as a sex offender if the person is not more than 10 years older than the minor. This is staggering. This is staggering because gay offenders don't participate generally in vaginal intercourse than they (laughs) they're getting discriminated against because the type that they do participate in would require mandatory sex offender registration. Oh, my goodness gracious, I'm getting a headache, and I'm also getting sick to my stomach as I read about this. But that's why it's called the LGBTQ Mafia, and it might be, honestly, it might be one of the biggest threats that we have to uh, the survival of the decency of our society that we have going. We've got to worry about this. Back after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. It's at your fingertips. Obviously a short segment to wrap it up here. It's 1057. Gary in Olmstead Township wants to get in before we're done. Hi, Gary, go ahead. Okay, so uh, write this down. Uh, it's a herb called knotweed. 
Gary, 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 hold on. Your, your voice is fading on me. Uh, you're, you, you, you got real quiet there. Try that again. Okay, not we. K N O T W E E D. Why am I Why am I writing down not weed? Because it's a tincture. You get it. You order a tincture, and it targets bronchitis. It's an herbal remedy for uh, targeting curing bronchitis. The other thing you want to pick up too is a wild uh, oil of oregano, and that will help. Uh, your situation actually can i just a eat a big old plate of spaghetti because i got oregano in my no, sauce i always no, over oregano in my sauce i love it now take both of those and you probably won't have any more bronchitis uh well i don't have the bronchitis all. i don't have the bronchitis my wife and my daughter have spent the last three weeks sharing it back and forth coughing incessantly i all i've got yeah. is the throat problem so i don't have the coughing well, problem that's coming from the bronchitis but i will maybe pass well, this along to them yeah, share that with them, and I'll send you a bill at the end of the month. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I'll, see, and uh, I'll tell you right now, the check will be in the mail. All right, that's it. That's all the time that we've got. Thanks for uh, being a part of the show. Um, just found out about a booking uh, for tomorrow's program. I'm uh, kind of looking forward to this. I wasn't uh, totally aware that this was even coming, but on Saturday, th- there is uh, an Ohio Liberty Coalition state meeting. On Saturday, featuring groups from all over the state, the Ohio Tea Party, Freedom Work, uh, Ohio's Future Foundation, Heritage, Heritage Action, and more. And the uh, uh, man in charge of it, the president of the Ohio Liberty Coalition, uh, John McAvoy, is going to be on with us tomorrow on the program. So make sure you tune in for that. It'll be a free-for-all Friday as well, so we'll look forward to talking to you then. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.